Welcome to Coaching for a Living, a podcast for coaches who want to build financially viable coaching businesses and make a living doing what they love. I'm your host, Alisa Barkan, and I am thrilled to have you here. Are you ready to take the next step in your coaching business? Let's go. Hello, hello, onion rings. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for a Living. I'm so pleased to have you here, and I'm excited to share with you that at the time of recording this episode, which is the 5th of October 2022, we have reached more than 10,000 downloads. That blows my mind, and it makes me so incredibly happy to know that people listen to the show and they come back for more episodes. So thank you so much for tuning in to spend time with me and my guests. I really appreciate every single one of you and the tremendous support that you have shown me so far. You've only got me today. There is no guest and this will be a solo episode. I haven't done one in a while and I really wanted to sit down and talk to you about something that I think is very important to get right as a coach. And that is the process of onboarding and offboarding clients. In other words, I want to give you some tips on how to welcome new coaching clients and how to say goodbye to existing ones. Before we get into it, most of you might know that I record a podcast in both audio and video formats, and I share video snippets of every episode on my YouTube channel. This episode, however, will be shared in its entirety on YouTube because I am filming it in presentation mode, and I'm using some visual guidelines to support all the points I want to make. Not everyone learns in the same way. Some people are okay with audio only. Others are visual learners. Some might have a hearing or a visual impairment, and I want to take as much as that into account. So if you're okay just listening to this, that is fantastic. But if you want visual clues and would like to follow along with me while watching a presentation style video, I will leave a link to where you can watch the video recording of this episode in the show notes. Okay, that being said, let's jump straight in. The way you onboard and offboard your coaching clients is really important because these two points represent the beginning and the end of your relationship with a client. It's not enough to just give them an amazing coaching experience. It's also important to think about how that experience begins and how it ends. And that's what we'll be talking about today, onboarding and offboarding clients. In other words, saying hello and welcoming new coaching clients and saying goodbye to existing ones. Let's start with the onboarding process. And I want us to begin by thinking about why is it that we do this onboarding in the first place? And from my point of view, there are four reasons why we onboard clients. The first one is a legal one. We want to make sure that we legally establish the coaching engagement and make it official. The second reason is to build trust and report with the client. We want to officially welcome this new client, acknowledge them as being our client, and start to build that trust that we are a professional and that we know what we're doing and there is a process to the way that we work. The third reason is to offer information and make sure that the client understands what are the services or the products that they have purchased from us and how to get access to them. And the fourth reason why we do onboarding is to clarify things, 
to answer any questions that the client might have or to address any concerns on their side. So these are the four main reasons, legalities, trust and report, information and clarification. Now let's have a look at what the process of onboarding looks like on a step-by-step -step basis. The first step is to put together the contract and to send that contract for the client to sign. That is so that you legally start your coaching relationship on the right foot. Once the contract is signed, you move on to the second step, which is sending in the invoice or the first invoice if the client is paying in installments. The next step is to send the client a welcoming email where you also include links for them to book their very first coaching session with you. Or if you have different types of sessions like I do, you must include multiple links for them to uh, book those sessions. And also let them know how to access any communities or groups or private forums, discussion groups on Slack or Discord or whatever it might be. You want to include those in the email as well. Another thing you want to include, if you're offering further resources, let them know how to access those resources. Some people offer profiling tools or maybe exercises that the client needs to do online. Send them the password or the login information for them to be able to access these resources. And finally, you want to include in this email any other information or relevant aspects of your work together that were not included in the contract, but that the client needs to be aware of. And I'll give you an example later on. And that's the onboarding process. Now, for some of these steps, I want to give you some extra tips, starting with the moment of your discovery call. If during the discovery call, you have a client that says, yes, I want to go ahead and work with you, right then and there, there are some things that I suggest you do. The first one being letting the client know what the next steps are going to be and what they can expect from you, such as, okay, you want us to work together? Great. What I'll do now is to send you the contract. Once you sign the contract, I'll send you the invoice or the first invoice. Then I'll send you an email with all the information that you need to be aware of, etc. Also very important, at the time of the discovery call, when they say, yes, I would like us to work together, ask them, when is it that you would like to start? You will need to have this start date so that you can add it onto the contract. And we will talk about that later on when I'll give you the extra tips for the contract. But ask them when they would like to start. Also let them know how is it that you take payment? Is it by bank transfer only or do you also accept PayPal payments or do you use Stripe or Go Cardless or any other tool like that? You want to give the client options, especially if you were working with people who are not necessarily based in the same country where you are, and maybe a bank transfer will be quite costly for them. Also, very important, ask them about their preferred contact details to add onto the invoice. It's very frustrating to have the contract back signed and for you to want to send an invoice, but you can't do it because you don't have the necessary details to put on that invoice. 
If you're using an accountancy software, which is something that I recommend you do, you will notice that when you first create an invoice, it will ask you for the customer's details. If you don't have those details, you'll have to email the customer now and ask them, hey, what, what uh, address would you like me to put onto the invoice and so on. So make sure that you either ask them about these contact details during the discovery call or that you add a section into the contract for the client to input this information so that you have it available at the moment of creating the invoice. And finally, during the discovery call, you might want to mention any particularities or any limitations of your work that the client needs to be aware of. This is uh, something that I also include in the email with further information about our work, but I want to make sure that the client knows about it at the moment of deciding to work together so that there are no surprises. To give you an example, I only work with clients Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So when that email comes with the links for them to book their coaching sessions, I don't want it to be a surprise for them that they can only find slots in my calendars on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So this is the type of other information that I want to mention during the discovery call. And I also want to include in that welcome email. All right, moving on to the legalities side, where my first tip would be to put a start date on the contract. Remember, you have asked them during the discovery call when they would like to start, use that start date and put it in the contract. Not only this, but make sure that you add an expiration date to the contract, i.e. you make this contract valid for a limited period of time. It can be two weeks, it can be uh, 30 days, one month, whatever you want to put in there. But you don't want to end up in a situation where six months down the line, a contract lands into your inbox already signed when you don't have capacity to take on this client anymore or your prices have changed or you simply don't want to work with them. By putting an expiration date to your contract, you avoid this type of thing and it also creates a sense of urgency for the other party to sign the contract and not procrastinate. And you might be asking, okay, Alisa, but how am I going to do that? How am I going to enforce an expiration date onto the contract? And the way you do this is by using a digital signature app or tool. I use something called GrabSign but there are also tools such as DocuSign. The uh, paid version of Adobe Acrobat allows you to do that. There are many on the market and you're gonna have to do your own research and see which one is more suitable for your budget and for your needs, but I definitely recommend that you invest in a digital signature app. Not only will it look more professional, but it will also provide an audit trail of what has happened to that contract from the moment of you creating it and sending it to them, opening it and reviewing it, signing it, and then sending it back to you. So if you are ever in the unfortunate situation where someone breaks contract and then they don't want to admit that they have signed one in the first place, such a tool allows you to have an audit trail and it becomes an extra layer of protection in your business. Plus, it allows you to put an expiration date on the contract and it makes it very easy and very professional for you to make the, the signing of the contract as straightforward as possible. Now, my final tip for this legalities side of things is in order to avoid bad debts. You have the start date on the contract, 
Once the contract is signed and you send the first invoice, make the invoice payable on the day before the start date on the contract. So if someone says, um, I want to start at the 1st of February, the contract says we will start on the 1st of February and the invoice says this invoice is payable by the 31st of January. This is to avoid you delivering the work, so coaching people, and then them deciding that they don't want to pay you for it later on. You're not out of pocket and you make sure you get paid for your work in advance. Moving on to the information side of things, my first tip here would be to invest in a scheduling tool. A scheduling tool is essentially a link to your calendar where you have inputted your available slots for one-to-one -one sessions with clients. You don't want to be in a situation where someone says, okay, let's work together. They sign the contract. And now you start this back and forth emailing so that you can find a suitable date and time for you both to book your first coaching session. And then do this dance over and over again to book your next coaching sessions and so on. Investing in a scheduling tool is not only more professional, but it also saves you a lot of time and headache and frustration trying to find uh, slots for coaching that are suitable for both you and the client. I use a tool called MeetFox but there's Acuity Scheduling, there is Calendly and other tools on the market. Again, you're going to have to do your own research and choose one that is suitable for you. Some of these tools also allow you to take payment through the tool by using something like Stripe. And again, this avoids uh, bad debts and it ensures that you are getting paid for the work that you are delivering. When it comes to the email, the welcoming email that you send to this new client, I like to break it down into distinct sections and to use subtitles to highlight those sections and to make use of the uh, text formatting tool by making text bold or underlining it, putting it in red, whatever it you need to do to make this email easily digestible by the client. I sometimes go as far as saying, I want to communicate three things to you, and then I need three things from you. Here's what I'm communicating, one, two, three, and here's what I want from you, one, two, three. This way, you make sure that the client doesn't miss any important information in the email, and if they are short on time or they want to skim read your email, they can do that easily. What you also want to take into account and maybe discuss with the client during the discovery call is the fact that the first time you send someone an email from a business address, so not from a Gmail address, for example, that email has a high chance of ending up in their spam folder. So give them a heads up and let them know, I'll send you an email. It might end up in spam. So make sure you check there as well. And in the body of the email, guide the client through the process of adding your email address to their contact list to make sure that in the future, any email that you send will not end up in spam anymore, but in their primary folder. And my final tip for this information uh, side of uh, the onboarding process, is to be intentional with the subject line of this email. You don't want to call it something very generic, such as welcome or working together. 
the client is likely to reply to that email. And sometimes they reply by saying important things or asking for more information. You want to be able to easily find this email in your inbox. And for that, I suggest using a subject line such as coaching engagement dash welcome and information followed by the client's name. This way, it's going to be much easier for you to find this in your inbox if you ever need to find it quickly. Now, these extra tips that I'm sharing with you, they're not hard and fast rules. These are tips uh, based on my experience of having run my business for five years now. These are things that I have learned through making mistakes. You can implement these tips or you can ignore them. But my intentions here are to make your life easier as a coach and as a business owner. Those are all the tips that I have for the onboarding process. Let's do a quick recap on what the steps are for onboarding, starting with putting together the contract. Once the contract is signed, sending the invoice, which is payable the day before the start date of the coaching engagement. Sending the client an email containing links to how to book their coaching sessions, how to access communities, links for how to access any extra tools or resources, and any other information that is relevant to them that was not included in the contract. That's the onboarding process. Once you do all of these things, you then start to coach this person and give them the most transformational experience of their lives, after which it is time to maybe say goodbye to them. And that's where the offboarding process comes in. Again, we have four main reasons why we do offboarding. The first one being to get feedback. You want to obtain a detailed account of what this client's experience of being coached by you was. The second reason why we do offboarding is to gauge the possibility of doing repeat business with this person. And we're going to talk about what the options for that are in a moment. The third reason for offboarding is to maintain this relationship with the existing client and to establish ways for you to keep in touch. And the fourth reason is referrals. You might want to invite this person to become your referral partner or to simply ask them whether they know anyone else who might benefit from your coaching services. That being said, these are the six steps of an offboarding process. The first one is to ask for feedback. Ask the client to describe what it was like to be coached by you. If they enjoyed the whole experience, you move on to the next step of asking them to provide a testimonial or a recommendation of your work together. You also want to give them the possibility of continuing to be coached by you via a retainer package. If you don't know what a retainer package is, I talked about it in a previous video where I discussed how to put together coaching packages for individuals, and I will link that in the show notes and in the description box of the YouTube video. There might be the possibility for you to maybe not continue to coach them, but to do other type of work for this client or for their business, depending on the type of client that you work with. And this includes um, consulting services, training, teaching, and so on. You only do this step if you're already offering these types of services as part of your portfolio in addition to coaching. If you don't, you can skip this part. 
The fifth step is to decide whether you want to stay in touch with the client and establish communication methods for doing so. Some people prefer to be contacted via email or via direct message on LinkedIn. Some people are okay to have a virtual coffee every once in a while. You will need to establish this based on your capacity and your needs, your preference, as well as theirs. And finally, referrals. Ask the client if they know anyone who might benefit from being coached by you. And if they do, and if there is a possibility for them to send quite a few clients your way, you might want to discuss a referral partnership and terms and conditions for that partnership. We're going to be touching upon that in just a moment. But these are the six steps. And as per the onboarding, I also have some extra tips for you for some of these steps. Starting with what you do before your final call. You would be surprised how many clients lose track of the number of sessions that they've had so far and how many sessions they have left. I receive emails every week with people asking me, what number was this one and how many have we got left? And if they don't ask me, I make a point of letting them know every once in a while what session we are on and how many we've got left. So before you have the final coaching call with the client, let them know that this is going to be your last call and ask them to stay for another five or 10 minutes after the meeting has finished to discuss this offboarding. You're not going to call it offboarding. You are maybe going to say so that we can say goodbye properly and talk about what are the next steps and how we're going to keep in touch. The reason for this uh, extra five to 10 minutes is that you don't want to do the offboarding in their own time, the one that they're paying you for. You want to be a professional and do it as an extra on top of your work together. But let them know in advance and give them an indication of what you will be discussing so that they know what to expect. When it comes to asking for feedback, ask the client to describe what it was like working with you and pay attention to what they say and don't be afraid to ask questions, to probe a little bit more. Sometimes they will say very generic things such as, it was great working together. It was such a transformational experience. You want to be a coach here and to ask questions that will give you more information about what they mean. Why was it transformational? What was it about it that was transformational for you? What was the difference between your situation at the beginning of our coaching relationship and how has that changed at the end of our time together? What results did you achieve? How would you describe my coaching style? Ask probing questions and stay curious. This is a huge opportunity for you to discover not only what you did well and what are your strong points, but also the areas that you might want to improve on. Ask the client questions about this specifically. Some of them, they want to be polite. They enjoyed your coaching so much that they only want to say good things. But if there are things that they believe that you could improve on, you want to make sure that you make it easy for them and comfortable for them to share that so that you can implement some changes. Maybe they even have suggestions for you for how to improve. Listen to those and take this as a learning opportunity. If a client says something that maybe is not as positive as you would like, don't take that personally. 
ask more questions about it and take it as a learning experience. When it comes to testimonials, if you are using LinkedIn and if the client is using LinkedIn as well, instead of asking for a testimonial in an email, ask for a public testimonial or a public recommendation on LinkedIn. Anyone can write some text on a website and put a name there and say, Jane says that my coaching was extraordinary and changed her life when Jane doesn't actually exist and no one can verify her identity. However, if Jane is a real person and she has given you a recommendation on LinkedIn and people can verify Jane's existence by clicking on her profile, that will carry a lot more weight. So my advice would be to always, always ask for a LinkedIn recommendation first. And if for some reason they don't agree to do that or they want to remain anonymous, then the second option would be a recommendation via an email. When you do send the recommendation request on LinkedIn, um, add some guidelines in there for what the client might think to include in this recommendation. You would be surprised how many people don't know how to write an effective recommendation. They just say things, generic things like, it was great, I couldn't recommend her enough, etc., etc. For a potential client who's reading that, they might not understand what is meant by it. I mean, yeah, it sounds good, but that's about it. So be intentional about this and be smart about it and send some guidelines for the client where you say, this is what you might think of including. Now, please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying you should tell them this is what you should write in the testimonial. However, when I send out a testimonial request, I ask people to think about including things such as, what is my mentoring style or my coaching style? What is my expertise when it comes to building a coaching business? How did I challenge you? What did you think of my feedback? What did you think of working with me as a professional from the beginning of our relationship till the end of it? You can add whatever you want to emphasize in there about your work with the client. And the conversation that you have had in your offboarding call is very valuable because if you've made notes, now you can send the clients some specific words or some points that they have made during that conversation to remind them of what they said. And maybe they would like to include that in the recommendation as well. And my final tip here would be to not be ashamed or afraid to ask a client to modify a recommendation once they send it to you. When they send it to you, it's still in draft mode. So you can ask for revisions if you want to. And sometimes I do this because there are spelling mistakes or grammar errors in the recommendation. But I also do it if I feel like what they've written in there is too generic or I would like more information on something or it doesn't give an accurate description of our work together. I have done this and people have always been very accommodating and I've given them suggestions for how to modify it and they've always done it with no problems at all. At the same time, I do have recommendations and fair enough, these are not for clients. They are from people who maybe witnessed me deliver a talk or a workshop or something like that. And those recommendations were quite generic and they almost seemed like they were copy pasted. You could see that a person would be writing the same type of recommendation for a lot of people. And I have decided not to 
uh, post those publicly on my profile at all. So that's another option as well. Don't exclude it. Just because someone gives you a recommendation, it doesn't mean that you have to make that public if you don't want to. Now let's talk about retainers. A retainer is a package, a new package that you offer to the client where they have access to you for a certain number of sessions or for a certain number of months, but it might be under different terms and conditions than your main coaching offering, let's say. So it might be that your retainer package has 45-minute sessions instead of one-hour sessions. It's It has a different start date for sure. It lasts for six months, let's say. You need a new contract for this retainer because it is a new type of engagement. So treat it as such. And if you need to do it, you might also have to have a mini onboarding again. Like I said, if the coaching sessions are now 45 minutes, the client will need an email with the link for how to book these new types of sessions, which are shorter than the other ones. Do a judgment call yourself and decide whether you do need a, a new mini onboarding, but I would definitely suggest that you need a new contract with different terms with a different start date. And finally, I have some extra tips for referrals. There will come a time in your business when word of mouth is going to be a very powerful marketing tool. If there is scope for this client that you've just finished working with to send you quite a high volume of um, potential clients, you might want to talk about putting in place a finder's fee. A finder's fee is either a fixed fee or a percentage of the cost of a coaching engagement that you pay to the person who found you this new client. That's why it's called the finder's fee. Some people are happy to refer clients to you at no fee whatsoever, but if you think there's potential for a high volume of referrals, I would at least suggest it and see if the client wants to take it on or not. If you're going to be referring clients to each other, then you can forego the finder's fee because the way that you repay the favor of someone sending a client your way is by you sending a client their way. Those are my extra tips for offboarding. I also have some extra resources that you might uh, find useful. I mentioned already the video about retainers. I also have a video about contracting and other resources on my YouTube channel that I will leave linked in the show notes or in the description box. Let's do a quick offboarding process recap. The process starts with asking for feedback from the client if they enjoyed working with you, asking them for a testimonial, gauging the possibility of continuing to work together as coach and coachee via retainer package or continuing to work together by offering other services to this client, such as training, consulting, teaching, and so on, establishing ways to stay in touch, and finally discussing the possibility of creating a referral partnership. All right, my friends, that's all I had for you in terms of onboarding and offboarding coaching clients. If you have any questions, please use the link in the show notes to send me an audio message where you can ask your question or go to the YouTube video and leave your question in a comment. You'll find the link to the video in the show notes as well. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. 
You just finished listening to an episode of the Coaching for a Living podcast. Did you know that you can send me an audio message directly? Check out the show notes for a link that allows you to do that. You can use it to send in a question you have about building a coaching business or to simply share your impressions about the podcast and any suggestions for what content you'd like me to cover in the future. I cannot wait to hear from you. Again, check out the show notes for the link and who knows, maybe I'll feature your message in a future episode. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alisa Barkan and I'll catch you next time.